All right, friends, welcome to another episode of Mama to Mamas. As always, I'm so excited to share the wisdom of my current mama guest tonight, Minnie Mao. You'll always be Minnie Mao to me. (laughs) All my friends are always their maiden names. (laughs) So I'll let you guys know a little bit how Minnie and I are connected and we're going to dive right in. So Minnie and I met our senior year of college at Santa Barbara. And we were brought together in a very special way, and that was working at Lululemon together. And we spent the entire year, our senior year, talking about workout clothes, of course, writing quotes on mirrors, listening to Alexi Murdoch on repeat, making up dances, eating at Natural Cafe, and of course, going to countless yoga classes together. That's where our friendship was born and has stayed strong through every chapter of life together. Even when we haven't always lived in the same city, We'd visit each other and always do those things that nourished our souls, like drink green smoothies, find a delicious salad, go on runs, and try the newest workout class. Minnie is an amazing cook, baker, gift giver, and friend, and she's also a hand therapist and a mama to two adorable boys, Owen, 14 months, yep, you're shaking your head, and Oliver, three, a little over three, Mm -hmm. yep, Mm -hmm. got it right. And she lives in the Bay Area with her and her husband, Daniel. So, friend, thank you so much for being willing to come on and have a heart-to-heart with me. Thank you for having me. This is so wonderful. Yay. Okay. So, we're going to start at the beginning because I feel like I, of course, remember when you were pregnant and coming to your baby shower and me not being a mom yet didn't ask you these types of questions. So, I want to go rewind way back to when you first had Oliver and before we even started recording we were talking about like we all had that thing that was hard the thing that kind of maybe caused this anxiety or whatever it was so tell me what was the hardest thing for you when you became a mom well I think I didn't really have any preconceived notions of what having kids would be I guess I always thought I wanted to be a mom but it was not like you know, my lifelong mission to like get pregnant and have babies right away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think I just heard all these stories from everybody and I'm like, uh, you know, you sort of were like partially like, that's not going to be me. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm going to be cool, you know? Yep. And I said that exact thing. I'm going to be a cool boy mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, (laughs) And then I found out I was pregnant with a boy and it was, I grew up with sisters and, you know, no boys really in the family. And it was just kind of like, well, I'm not going to really know what to do, but you know, it'll be cool. You know, boys are cool. Boys love their moms, you know? (laughs) Yes. You know, we'll figure out the penis thing. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) And then you quickly become so comfortable with penises. Now I can't, I have two boys and I'm like, oh, I don't know what I would do with a girl. Like stuff gets in there. How do you clean a diaper? (laughs) Totally. Yes. (laughs) And then, yeah, you have the baby and I mean, even the pregnancy, even the labor. I mean, can we just talk about how crazy it is that you push a baby out of you? Like, I didn't even think that was possible. I kind of felt like, I think I kind of was like, oh, I'm going to be the one that's going to have a C-section because there's no way a baby's coming out of me. Like, there's just no way. And for context, Minnie is Minnie. (laughs) She's petite. I am petite and my husband is (laughs) 6'4". And I mean, my babies weren't that big. They were like seven pounds, but that felt like a lot to me, right? And I think even just I was in labor and I was, I didn't have like a crazy labor and the pushing was relatively okay and smooth compared to stories I've heard. But until literally the baby was on my body, I was like, oh, well, that's just not going to happen. Like, I'm just going to wait for this doctor to say like, oh, you're, she, the baby's stuck and we're going to have to go. I, I fully expected yeah. it for some reason. Yeah. I think it's also because my mom had a C-section with me. So I was like, okay, if anything's going to, you know, sure, anatomy wise be the case. Yeah. So then the baby's on you and you're like, oh, well, this is crazy. And then you go home and you're just kind of like, okay, well, (laughs) right. What do I do? What's the routine? Am I doing this right? Like, (laughs) right. I mean, I actually remember like, um, they check the car seat at the hospital because like, we don't know how to be in the car seat. And then we drive home and I'm like sitting in the back, even though I know like the baby's going to be fine. And then we get out and we put him inside the house and we're like, well, should we take him out of the car seat? (laughs) And then what should we do? Yes. I think I also was, everybody had told me, I mean, you hear of these things 
sleeping is going to be crazy and feeding is going to be crazy. And Mm -hmm. here's all these things. And you got to start early with the schedules. And like the baby is still sleeping. Like at least the first two weeks, they're like sleeping the whole time. So it was kind of wonderful in that the baby gave us time to like adjust. Cause I was like, Oh, I guess I can, I can kind of like sit on the couch and maybe I Uh can eat something, you know, like I think I went home and expected it to be like nonstop. So I guess, I guess to answer your question, it was a little calm to start, which was wonderful, but most of it was wild and crazy and just nonstop is kind of what yeah. I remember once things started ramping up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you telling me that Oliver was, he was like a sleeper in the sense that he would like always fall asleep while he was eating. Eating at my boob, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. And you would have, you would do something where you like feed him right after he woke. There was something I remember you telling me. So breastfeeding, of course, is its own thing, right? But um, it's hard the first time, of course. And for me, it was like the latching wasn't quite great. And I had like a really fast letdown, I guess. Okay. So he would like suck away and then like two minutes into it, be asleep. And so then I would have to like wake him up and like Daniel would like put a cold towel on his head. Oh, you're told to take off their clothes. Yes, yes. That's yes. what the doctors tell you to do. Yeah. They say, okay, we'll just strip them naked and then they'll wake up. And so then you'd be like, great. And then they they suck for another two minutes <laughs> and then they're out again. And now your boob is like full and sore and the baby's still hungry, but like asleep. And you're yes. just kind of like, well, what am I supposed to do now? Yes. <laughs> they're already I remember naked. the cold towel thing. And I would put like wipes on him to like try to yes. wake him up. If, yeah. Uh huh. So that was a racket. So I didn't love breastfeeding, especially with my first. It just was never comfortable. Yeah. And I didn't have that gushy, mushy, like, oh, this yeah. is so wonderful. For me, it uh-huh. was like, this is like my body fully like yes. for something else, which I I mean, I loved being able to feed him and being able to breastfeed, but yeah, it just wasn't ever that comfortable first time around. And I ended yeah. up starting to pump early on so that we could have Daniel feed him a bottle, which I think yeah. is great for me because I just... I, when I don't sleep, I'm crazy. And because he would do the night feed, right? He would yeah. do the night bottle, and I would pump, and then I would like sleep for a few hours. So we'd alternate. Yeah. And that worked really well because we were also able to control how much he ate, or we knew how much he ate, and yeah. then I think that also helped him with sleeping earlier through the night. Yeah, yeah. At least that's what uh, we tell ourselves. Totally. I know when, as soon as we started doing more bottles of Maddox, it was, and probably because of my craziness of always feeling like he wasn't getting enough. And I feel like that might be a common theme a lot with like breastfeeding moms. It's like, but you don't know how much they're getting. Are they getting enough? And you convince yourself you're not producing enough. And how much is he getting when he's <laughs> at the boob, you know? And so there was this like relief when we added bottles. Cause it was like, okay, I, you're getting a range of X to X, you know, if you would like split bottles of breastfeeding. But I remember feeling like a lot of relief when I started doing that. Totally. It helped with like when they started fussing a little bit in their sleep, it wasn't like, oh, I got to feed him because he's hungry. It's like, well, he had, you know, four ounces like an hour ago. Like he's fine for another hour, you know? Totally. Okay. You touched on this a little bit, but how was like your first time around versus your second? How would you say maybe your energy shifted? When you had Owen, because you'd already gone through it. Yeah, I think, I mean, as a lot of people say, you know what to expect. So Mm -hmm. anxiety wise, you're feeling much better. And so I think in that sense, I was like more prepared, but Mm -hmm. energetically you're exhausted, right? Because typically, I mean, a lot of people have their second when their oldest is like two or three and that is when they are learning so much and developing so much in the world, right? There's like Oliver was walking and talking and just transitioning to like a big boy bed and starting daycare. We had just moved. All these things were happening that were exhausting for us, but also like I felt like emotional for him. Yeah. So It was exhausting in that you're taking care of a baby and the baby seems relatively chill and easy at this stage because you've done it before, but you're still not sleeping, obviously, in the beginning, right? And so you're waking up every few hours, but you're also then all day like nonstop managing a toddler. Yeah. And 
it's it's exhausting <laughs> totally because you yeah you have to you're already like a full-time mom when you have your second versus the first it's like literally just you and your baby and you know your partner <laughs> but when you mm-hmm. add the second one there's a whole other body and human to take care of <laughs> right and in some ways you end up prioritizing your older child of course right because mm, yeah I've they have that, more emotional yeah. needs and you want them to feel like they're still number one and you want them to love the baby and not jealous of the baby. So we spent as much time as we could with Oliver and then the baby would be like, somebody feed the baby, you know, we'll just put the baby down, you know, like the baby gets a little bit less attention when they're that young, which maybe also then contributes to how chill they are. (laughs) Totally. That's why that must be why second children are like a bit more easygoing. And then it switches because now baby Owen is 15 months and now he's walking and he's starting to talk. So he's exerting his own independence uh-huh. and attention. And so yeah. Oliver now is the chill boy and the baby's the like screaming and pulling himself up against things and wanting attention and throwing things. And you know, it's like, I'm here now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Did you intentionally plan their age gap mins? Like, were you like, I want them to be around this many years apart or as I think about like growing our family I'm always curious like how people like was it by chance was it planned like for you (laughs) yeah um not really but like I feel like when you're not not trying to get pregnant and you're kind of trying to get pregnant right totally so I was two years apart with my sister and it was great but we also had a lot of sibling rivalry when we were kids because we were so close so I thought like two to three years would be good and we just started trying at the point when it was would be at least a two-year difference and Mm -hmm. we just got so lucky with it just happened for us quickly but I think I would have been fine with up to a three-year gap because then I think your older is like also a little bit older and then Mm -hmm. get through that challenging phase when they transition to like two years yeah totally yeah did you have any from your postpartum perspective like you talked a lot about the like notion of like pushing a baby out was so like, how does this happen? (laughs) Okay. So once you did it, what was your recovery? Like, did you have any like interesting or weird, like postpartum healing issues or do you feel like you bounced back or what was that like for you? Yeah. I mean, again, compared to some of the stories that I hear from other people, I think I was relatively lucky in how smooth Mm -hmm. it was. The first time for me, I think Mm -hmm. my body kind of bounced back to like the size and shape sure you know, within like two three months which I think is yeah. like you know great yeah. um but it was all the other stuff right it's like you don't the transformation that goes on with yeah. your boobs you're just like like feeling engorgement for the first time and getting mastitis oh here's a tip I would get like so engorged and like my you know, my OB would be like, ah, oh, you got to massage it. You got to put the heat and yeah, all that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, Take a warm shower. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Uh-huh. And um, one thing that I learned when it was like so red that she thought she would have to give me antibiotics was the back of a vibrating toothbrush. <laughs> have you oh, heard of that? I haven't heard of that for, I mean, I've heard of that to like stimulate a letdown, but not mm-hmm. for like mastitis or anything. Yeah. So if you have like a lump, yeah, I, she was like, "You get 24 hours. If this doesn't resolve in 24 hours, you need to start the antibiotics, right?" And yeah. that would have been fine, but I just didn't want to. So I like right. went to town with this vibrating Sonicare. <laughs> I can and just it picture told, like, it. nonstop, and it totally resolved. So, oh my gosh, okay, okay. and mastitis. I haven't. I mean, knock on wood, praise the Lord. I have not had mastitis, but I have heard that it is the worst thing ever as a breastfeeding mom it's a clogged duck right and so it it's com- a clogged duck that becomes infected so mine Got didn't it. become infected so I don't want to give you know yeah medical sure. information that's not sure, sure, sure. If it's infected you probably should get an antibiotic totally. <laughs> but it's like, like it starts it. it starts like as a clogged duck and it's kind of lumpy and you know it's just painful and you try to like express it and you try to massage it and you put heat on it but go for it with like a massage or two maybe that'll help and have, did you have it with each or just with the first or? I I had it with Oliver just because I think I was like pumping and trying to alternate yeah. like pumping with breastfeeding. And I, yeah. you know, my milk was still figured like, you know, sometimes yes. I'd go a few hours without pumping. Which yep. Not supposed to do. Yep. 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 I do remember when we got together, I think Maddox was 
uh, he had it been like three months. So we met up for a walk and I had not touched my pump yet. I, and I was like, <laughs> Mins, please explain this to me. And he honestly, I think I texted you after and I was like, okay, you know, he didn't eat from the left side. And so I pumped a little bit and I felt better because of the conversation we had. <laughs> but I remember you telling me your pumping journey. And I don't even know if I wrote it down to chat with you about, but now that it was kind of gotten brought up, I remember you being like, it was just hard to figure out. And then you were like, I was overproducing. How, like, so how do you figure that out as a first time mom? It's kind of like trial and error. Totally. I mean, I don't have any answers. It was like, <laughs> I was like Googling like pumping and breastfeeding schedule and yes. how to alternate. And it was like picking a gym routine. Like, which one yeah. do I think I want to follow, you know? And then of course it doesn't work mm -hmm. out that way because if your baby wakes up and you have to feed him, then you feed him. But right. I do think at least the first time around, the pumping helped me with um, uh, being able to relax a little bit about feeding Oliver because he definitely like, I had a, a faster letdown. He was constantly spitting up, which I don't know if it was the fast yeah. letdown or it was just him. So it would be like, I would feed him on the boob and then he would fall asleep. And then I would still be really full and have to pump. And then later on I would feed him and he would spit up. So the pumping helped me regulate a little bit more. I'll always have a little supply for him. Mm -hmm. I don't have to feel engorged. He's mm -hmm. going to be fed by mm -hmm. bottle at some point and that'll be okay. Which reminds me of this funny story unrelated about like, he would be like, you'd literally, I would feed him and then he would two seconds later, like projectile vomit, like everything. And yeah. Like the OB, my doctor, the pediatrician was like, oh, it's just spit up. Every kid's, you know, every baby does that. I'm like, it's like a gallon of milk. Yeah. <laughs> our couch is You're like, it's everything he got. Yeah. We still yeah. have a stain on our couch. <laughs> and my friend, Rebecca, you know, Rebecca, she uh -huh. was like, oh, it's all a phase. This is what you do. You just, you just feed him on the hardwood floor. You're like, great. That's really cozy. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's the solution. It just makes the cleanup easier. Yeah. Because we cleaned like everything all the time. Like clothes uh -huh. were... But yes, the breastfeeding and the pumping is challenging. And I don't know. I think everybody figures out what works for them based on yeah. their work schedule and their sleep and how often. And it's... It's such a learning curve. And it's truly like, I mean, I think, I guess my advice would be like, seek advice from other moms and then like apply that advice, but then adjust it for your needs. Cause that's totally what I did. It's totally what I did with you, where you like, you kind of told me your experience and then I, I tested it out and I was like, okay, I get it. Like I got more comfortable. And then I was just able to figure it out for me. And that's kind of what you told, like you basically told me that you're like, you're going to figure it out. Don't worry. And that even that put me at ease because I was so intimidated by the pump at first. And also this makes me laugh because I feel like I went into motherhood thinking that, and I probably said this on the podcast before, but as you're explaining like the spit up and the stains and the hardwood floors and the one side and the engorgement, it's like you go in with this vision that breastfeeding is so romantic and like just works out so perfectly. But like the, what you just described is the reality of feeding, of like <laughs> of the feeding situation. It's so messy. It's just not smooth whatsoever. <laughs> it's so crazy. I will say that like, and a lot of moms do say this, like the second time around or the third time around, like your body knows what it's doing. So your milk comes in faster and like everything's more balanced mm -hmm. and you just, um, you pick it up a little bit more easily. Yeah. So with Owen, the difference I felt was like, he latched on great and it was like comfortable. I actually enjoyed it. Like, it's uh -huh. funny, like at that point I had like a toddler running around. I was like, I'm fine with cutting this short, but like, I actually really enjoyed the snuggles oh, and him. Yeah. Like, nursing totally. him. So mm -hmm. hopefully that will be your experience. Too. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Okay. The postpartum question you had, we have not talked about this at all in mama to mamas, but I'm sure many mamas listening have had the same experience, but you had gestational diabetes, right? Yeah. Yeah. With both, both or with both times. Okay. High level explain. Okay. So I, um, I always say like, I almost had it because I had to do like several rounds of testing. And then it ended like I just slid in in the clear. <laughs> like I was like, whatever number, it was like 100. I was like 96 or something, whatever. I was very like only a few percentage points below, you know, getting, having gestational diabetes. So high level, very layman's terms, like what is it? And then how did you feel about that experience? 
Yeah, so it was a total surprise to me, and I don't know why, because it happens to anybody and everyone, mm -hmm. but I always felt like I was, you know, you think you're healthy, you're eating well, you don't have those high risk factors that are like the textbook, you know, risk factors. Yeah, so gestational diabetes, as far as I understand it, is your placenta is not producing enough insulin and mm -hmm. your body is kicked into overdrive because you're gaining weight and you're doing all these things and feeding your baby. And so essentially you're not able to reabsorb the blood sugar in your system, like in your mm -hmm. blood. And so if I ate like a donut, my blood sugar would shoot up way high and my body would not be able to produce enough insulin to take in that that sugar. Mm -hmm. And so if the baby gets all that sugar, then the baby starts to gain weight and especially abdominal weight. Yeah. And so there's risk factors associated with it because you can have like a very big baby. So like in some places, typically what we have like a you know, five to eight pound baby, right? People can have 10 pound plus babies. Mm -hmm. And so that makes delivery very dangerous, right? For the mom and for the baby. And then there can be complications with the baby once they're born, and it's risky for the mom. Like, I think it puts mm -hmm. you more in risk for preeclampsia. Got it. Yep. And um, like stillbirth and like scary things like that. So everybody knows that I think it's like that 24 week where you have to drink that yes. disgusting like glucose. So gross. Yes. And so I like was just a few numbers high on that third round. And so what I had to do throughout my pregnancy for the rest of the time was do finger sticks, which is you poke your finger before and after every meal. Every meal. Yeah. Well, I mean, until you know your body. So essentially okay. what you're doing is you're seeing what um, happens to your blood sugar with what you eat and okay. with exercise and with sleep and all of that. So you wake up and you test your blood sugar and then you test it again after meals. And if it's over a certain number and you can't control it with diet, then they have to give you insulin mm -hmm. to keep um, the blood sugar from skyrocketing in your body. Sure. And did you... Did it go away between babies? Like, does it, does it, do you go back down to whatever normal levels once your, you, your placenta is out and your baby's out? So it, it should, and it does in most women. And what it does tell you if you have it when you're pregnant is that you are at higher risk of developing diabetes at some point down the line, right? Because your body's under all this stress and you're gaining sure. weight. And so it does usually go away as soon as the placenta comes out. But it does put you, I think, at, I don't even know the percentage, higher risk of having diabetes. So you're supposed to be more careful. In my case, um, I didn't need insulin the first round. I was totally able to control with diet. And everybody's different. So, like, I could eat a piece of toast, but I couldn't eat a bowl of oatmeal, right? So it's just so kind of like So interesting how your body is so different. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to eat, like, fats and proteins with it. So it slows the absorption sure. of carbs. So I was totally able to do that. And the baby was totally fine. It just was anxiety provoking because the whole time you're worried about, I mean, you're already like worried about what yep. you eat for the baby's health. And now you have to yeah. worry about, well, I can't eat that like piece of fruit because that might raise my blood sugar. So there's yeah. a lot of anxiety with, I'm now literally affecting my baby with what I eat mm -hmm. more so than even like you would normally think, right? Sure. So that was anxiety provoking. And then the other thing that happens is when you're going into labor, if your blood sugar is high, then they make you do like an IV insulin drip okay. so just so the baby isn't born with low blood sugar, which is obviously yep. not great for them. So yep. luckily I like passed all those and I didn't need it for Oliver at all. They pricked his heel like a few times after he was born yep. and that was it. Okay. Um, it, it went away slightly, but not completely in between pregnancies. And then with Owen, it came back, but more. And I think it was because I gained a little more weight with Owen and it's like a little bit older and Owen was like a little bigger baby. So I did have to do nighttime insulin because I was able to control it with diet. But when I woke up, my blood sugar was still too high. I think it's supposed to be under 95 and it was like 105. So okay. I had to give myself a shot every night. Wow, men's. Mm -hmm. And was it the same thing like after 24 weeks? So was it half of your pregnancy you basically had to do that? So because I had it before, they basically start monitoring you like as soon as you're pregnant. And in fact, my endocrinologist even says to me, like, if I was mm -hmm. to ever get pregnant again, I should probably start insulin like the moment you're pregnant. Because so much happens the first six, eight weeks before you even yeah. know, right? Yeah. So you just have to be really cautious. And unfortunately yeah. for me, it hasn't gone away. So I still have like 
high blood sugar and I just have to be really careful what I eat. But you're able to maintain it with diet. I can maintain it with diet and exercise, but you know, it's like, it's so, it's not just like sugar, like donuts and cookies, right? It's like, if I eat too much fruit without eating like a dab of peanut butter with it, it can raise my blood sugar. So that's a bummer, but I mean, it's to me, it's like, I can manage that. It just felt like a lot when I had to manage that and worry about my baby, right? Yeah, totally, totally. It's maybe easier when it's like just you having to worry about like your postpartum, right? Versus like when your baby's inside of you. Yeah, so the other thing that was um, complicated, but thankfully fine and thankful to all the healthcare is like the last like six weeks of my pregnancy, they are constantly monitoring you because if you have gestational diabetes and you're on insulin, then there's like more worries about things. So both times I had to be induced early and Mm. um, the last six weeks with Owen, I literally had to go to the hospital twice a week sometimes to get ultrasounds to check my amniotic fluid and um, for blood draws. And if my amniotic fluid fell below a certain point, they were gonna induce me like that day. So I was fine, I turned out totally fine, but it was like a lot of anxiety, right? Like every week I had to go and like be ready to like be admitted to the hospital. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. you're always on the edge of your seat probably. Yeah, it's a lot, I mean, it's manageable and like there are so many worse things that can happen during pregnancy, but Mm -hmm. it definitely was, you know, sometimes out of my control, you know, I couldn't monitor and change everything with my diet. Right. Gosh, the things, it's just amazing, A, what the body can do, but also how like every body is different in growing a human. Like you just don't really know how your body's going to react. And it obviously we're not doctors here, but you're such a healthy little soul. And like, you know what I mean? So like, it really can't happen to anyone because you already such a balanced, healthy lifestyle. I just think it's so interesting. Like maybe people might not associate having gestational diabetes with that, but it really is. It seems like it really is how your body just reacts to creating a human. (laughs) I mean, it's a lot of stress on your body, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm pretty small. And if I was bigger, they would say, oh, lose weight or exercise every day or Eat sure. more vegetables. I'm like, I already do those things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. You're like, check, check, check. <laughs> when Maddox was born, you said like low blood sugar for the baby. Something I totally didn't expect was he he was born because he was so small, five ten, I think. And then of course they lose weight when they're born. And he had low blood sugar. And so they had to give him the glucose gel. And you mentioned the the heel pricks for Oliver, right? He had to Maddox had to get his heel pricked like what every two hours for 24 hours it was terrible there's nothing it's so worse. sad yeah, it's so sad and they like squeeze them <laughs> the band-aids are bigger than their foot yes oh my god yes oh. okay then we have to talk about boy momhood <laughs> <laughs> and you already mentioned it about having sisters and I feel exactly the same way as you like only new girls only thought I ever wanted girls. And, you know, I was just like, a boy, like, I get, what, I don't know what to do with a boy, like what we were talking about. So for you, obviously you have two now. Did you expect it? I know you're like, I didn't really think, think too much about it, but A, like, did you expect it? And B, what, what's the best part about it for you? Oh, such a good question. I don't know why. I think because I've just had sisters, I thought I was going to have a girl Mm-hmm. And not for any reason, but just because I was told this is, I'll know what to do with a girl, which is, you know, ridiculous because a girl and a boy, baby, they're just going to be the same. <laughs> yeah, totally. They're babies. Um, yeah. So, but I was also very excited because, and I think you mentioned this too, like, I love my parents. They're so involved. They're so sweet. They had three girls and I'm sure their third was like, they were hoping for a boy. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, it was just so like joyful to see how excited my parents were to be able to see a boy grow up, right. To raise a little boy with me. And Mm -hmm. so even like now, like they're just like, it's still so new for them. Everything is so different for them. My mom loves to say, well, you guys weren't like that. Right. Yeah, (laughs) totally. You didn't run around jumping on couches, peeing outside all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I, I mean, I, I don't know anything else. I think they're, yeah. they're noisy. 
They love trucks and cars, and I did not introduce them to them. Like, my three-year-old teaches me that a excavator is different than a loader, than a dump truck. And I'm like, it's just a truck. And he's like, oh, no, no, mommy. That is a Where does he learn it? Like, what How do they learn? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where, like, it's just so natural, right? Yeah. So it's really fun. And I mean, again, I think a girl would also be loving and of sweet. Of course, of course. My little boy running up to me and saying, Mommy, I love you. It's so <laughs> sweet. Yeah. Oh, How do you gosh. feel about it? I mean, now all I want is boys. Boys, boys, boys. <laughs> Who knows? Well, you do have a toddler, so maybe I'll change my mind. <laughs> but in this moment... Yeah, there is some, I feel honestly, like exactly how you feel with the sisters and that's the course I was going to have. But I think, yeah, there's something so sweet and something that I think that is just like happened inside of me, which is just kind of this tenderness that like, you know, you didn't really, obviously without having a boy, like didn't get it or a baby didn't get a taste of before, but there is just something like so precious and innocent. And I love like it probably doesn't matter gender, but there is something about him that's so, he's so curious and it's so fun to see, you know, as a female, like it's so fun to see a little boy, like experience the world and maybe how, how that was like different than I would have. Totally. And I mean, I know the culture is changing too, but, and I know boy moms feel this way, but like, I want my boys to grow up to be good humans. Yeah. I mean, as I would with a girl, but I think there's a role and responsibility to raise a good boy, you know, a loving, kind, sweet boy who takes care of people and has empathy and cares about the world, you know? And it's also really funny, like for some reason, like all my girlfriends, and it sounds like some of your girlfriends, like we all have boys. (laughs) There's a big wave of boy moms for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oliver had um, like a little park hang and there were like 10 boys that were all like our mom friends and one girl. (laughs) Oh, there might be something to it. Maybe on a more spiritual, energetic level, like maybe it's like there's this wave of like, you know, moms raising conscious boys or something of that sort. You know, I mean, you can look at it however you want, but I'm telling myself that. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. Is there any significance, Mins, with your O names? We just loved the name Oliver. Mm-hmm. But I guess I should preface this by that our dog, who we got four years ago, his name's Oreo. Yes, yes, I <laughs> so forgot we about that. we were a little resistant to Oliver. It's like, oh, we're, we're going to get it confused, you know. But I just thought Oliver was the sweetest name. Yeah. And then I wasn't trying to name Owen Owen, but it was like Oliver and Owen sounded so cute together. And so cute. We call him baby Owen. And I don't know if that's ever going to change. So we just <laughs> baby Owen and Oliver and Oreo and their names all get jumbled. And that's how it was in my family because we're three right. M's. And so it wasn't intentional, but it just felt so fitting. <laughs> yeah, it is very fitting. That's so sweet. And I totally forgot about Oreo. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Okay, I'm about to enter toddlerhood, so I want you to give me <laughs> one piece of advice for raising a toddler. What am I in for? What what stands out for you about the toddler phase? And, and give me a piece of advice about it. <laughs> okay, it's so great. And I think everybody says, like, terrible twos, and there's now this thing called three-nagers. <laughs> oh, okay, I haven't heard of that. Nope, that's cute, and though. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh. Toddler. It's kind of the way people talk about teenagers. Ah, teenagers, you know? I found it to be just the best, right? The reason they're wild and crazy is that they're exerting their independence. They're learning to do things. They want to put on their shoes by themselves, and you might have to take it off and let them do it again on their own time. They are asking why about everything because they're (laughs) so curious, and they they just need to learn what the world is. I mean, everything is happening and they don't know why and they want to know why. And so sometimes it frustrates them, right? And so obviously it's like challenging because they want things their way and you took out the blue bowl and they wanted the yellow bowl, but then you got out the yellow bowl and they wanted the blue bowl again. And they wanted you pour the food from the yellow bowl back into the blue bowl. And then they wanted a different kind of fork because yesterday. And so you're just like, okay. And so I think it's, 
you just have to understand that they're very confused and they're learning and language is new and physical movement is new and they're just trying to figure it all out. And there's this delicate balance of creating those boundaries and structure for them so they understand the world and they're not confused and not everything goes because that's not helpful. Yeah. But just a lot of patience and love and understanding. And I yeah. find it to be just so wonderful because it's like watching them literally like you can see the cogs turning in their little yeah. brains, you know? Yes, totally. I, I such good advice just to look at it from a perspective of they're learning, they're curious have patience. You know, I think that's real. It's good wisdom. It's just imagine you in their world and mm -hmm. they've never like, they don't know what a schedule is, right? They've yeah. never had to like figure this out. And it's yeah. just such a wonder. It's like the best part yeah. of, I think, being a parent is you're literally experiencing what it's like to be in their little mm -hmm. bodies and figure mm -hmm. things out. And then you see it click and then they say oh. the funniest things. Like, Daniel will have a beer from time to time and uh -huh. Oliver knows it's like an adult beverage and uh -huh. Daniel's birthday is next week. And we're like, what kind of cake should we make daddy? And he's like, a beer cake. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. I so love cute. it. Yeah. Oh my God. You should make him a little cake in the shape of a beer. <laughs> and then he says funny things like, mommy, but daddy's going to have to eat all his dinner before he eats his cake. Cause we talk about that and he's like, he gets it. You know? <laughs> totally. Okay, wait, that's the best transition because I wanted to ask you just knowing we are naturally healthy eaters, we enjoy cooking, we enjoy nourishing wholesome meals, and I'm having like a lot of fun, you know, as Maddox starts to eat more and more solids, just like, this is so dorky, but you would appreciate this, like I'll take a raspberry and I'll put a little dollop of almond butter and I'll sprinkle some hemp seeds on it. And I'm like, am I the only <laughs> feeding their 11 month old hemp seeds maybe but I love it but I feel like you could relate because I feel like we have the same kind of approach to you know that healthy lifestyle so for you what has it been like as a mom like feeding your children in a way that you eat it brings me a lot of joy to like cook healthy so what is it like when you have a little kid a little baby that you're also cooking for yeah, I mean, I love your little raspberry treat. I do that too. I think, I mean, I don't know. Everybody has a different approach. And I know there's like the idea of not, not like I know some moms don't restrict any foods and they just put yeah. it all on the table. And that's just not how I grew up. Like we always ate vegetables first and then a little bit of protein and then carbs and sweets were at the end and fruit was at the end. And it, that's kind of like how I eat. And so mm -hmm. we just, I think what we try to do, and it's not necessarily conscious, is that we don't want to be cooking different foods for our kids. We'll yeah. eat and we'll cook what we eat. And, you know, in the beginning, I was kind of like, oh, don't give him spicy food or like, this is going to be too blah, blah, blah. And Daniel's like, well, mm -hmm. how else will he decide if he likes it or not, you know? Yeah. And so now it's sort of like we cook what we cook and then we give them some of it. And to your little raspberry point, <laughs> I think what makes food fun is you get to eat with your eyes first and you get to look at it and it's different colors and shapes and flavors. And I mean, obviously it's not a win every time, but I make the plate how I would want to eat it. So like tonight mm. we had a little sweet potato, a little chicken, quinoa and um, um, kale. Right. Mm -hmm. And I like, no, Oliver's not going to eat the kale. And yeah. I know that he's probably going to only eat the sweet potato. Right. Cause he loves yeah. sweet potato. But you put it all on the plate and I have him taste a little bit of everything. And it surprises you because sometimes he will eat the kale. And baby Owen is obsessed with quinoa, which is oh. the best. He will like shovel it into his hand. And it's like still literally on our kitchen floor because that's also uh -huh. a racket, like cleaning the floor. Yeah, yeah. And some days you make him a little oatmeal bowl with the berries and the hemp seeds and the drizzle of, you know, like a little bit of agave. And he loves it and eats it all up. And some days he's like, mommy, I just want cereal, you know? Uh -huh. So I just, I don't know if I have a strategy, but I'm big about not cooking something different for the kids or catering okay. to them. Like, here's what we're eating tonight and you can eat it. Or if you don't want to eat it, that's fine. But this yeah. is what we're eating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that philosophy. I hope to do that too. I think of course, when they're so young, the schedule is like a little bit off, but I totally envision that too. It's just you know, we're one family, we're cooking one meal tonight <laughs> and it's just an extension. Okay. I've never asked anyone this, but 
I just thought of it as you were talking because we we talked about it a little bit how when they're babies sometimes and there's a phase where you don't know how much milk they're getting and that can be a little anxiety inducing when they start to eat real food and it maybe looks like they've barely gotten anything like maybe they only eat the sweet potato <laughs> like at dinner they don't touch the protein they don't touch anything else like how do you a does that happen and b like is that same kind of like anxiety inducing feeling does that happen in the same way when they're little of or when they're really really little of like are they getting enough like do you ever feel that way i think you always feel that way or at least i do okay um but it's different. I mean, the anxiety is really there when they're babies because they really only drink milk, right? Right. And it's such a big deal if they're losing 10% of their body weight and you feel like you need yeah. to do everything. It's a little different when they're older because you know they'll be fine if they don't eat today or tomorrow. They'll eat the next day. It always catches up. Okay. But I think it's always about food. You know, like even now when I go home, my parents are like, eat this. You know, I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> God, that's but a good I think... point. I didn't think about it that way. I mean, you always want to feed your children. You always want them to be nourished. And I mean, my pediatrician says this, and I'm sure other pediatricians say this as well. It's like you decide what they eat and when they eat, and they decide how much they eat, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we're trying to navigate now, um, Daniel and I, is if we put out a plate and Oliver doesn't want it, or he's not hungry, or he just is like in a mood and doesn't want the kale, then we say, okay, well, this is what we're having for dinner. And then we set it aside and he can go play and do whatever. And then if he's hungry later, that's what he gets again, right? And maybe he still doesn't want it, but then the next day he'll have a huge breakfast. So I think there's a little bit less stress in that way. Okay. You know, you're always still trying to feed them all the time and all the things. Sure. Okay. That's so, such a nice relief to hear that. It's always about food that I'm not the only one who will think that, A. And B, okay, I'm kind of hearing, and I guess a little bit of it happens now. Like if Maddox has like a pretty low ounces day and like, you know, he's still, so he's not eating a ton of solids by any means, but if he has a pretty low ounces day, it seems like it catches up one, two days later. And so that's kind of, it seems like that's what you're saying. Like if he, if he skips dinner or he's like, not wanting a big meal it sounds like well then he's really hungry for the next one and it all evens out i mean sometimes most times that's what happens and then there's days when like he just doesn't seem to have much of an appetite and i think yeah. it i mean i like to think that it's part of like growth spurts right if he's had uh, a really active day and he's growing he'll go through a few days where he's like eating like a champ and then there's a few days when he doesn't and i'm like oh should i just give him some full fat yogurt as a special yeah. treat because I just want him to get some cows, you know? Yeah. Daniel's like, I put extra butter on that bread for him. <laughs> <laughs> so I cute. I don't think it ever ends. And he's kind of like, a, he's kind of like Daniel, like a little skinnier, a little smaller, sure. as opposed to Owen, who's like 90% percentile mm -hmm. weight, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess I, I mean, that's my question when I'm at the pediatrician. Is he getting enough? Is he yeah. growing enough? And yeah. she's like, it's all fine. He's within range, but it's still sure. like, I feel like it's your mom duty, right? To feed your child. Yes. And if they're not growing, yes. like, what are you doing? You know, Talk but I try not to stress about it too much now that he's older. Cause I, I mean, I do know he's, he's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, it's, it's nice to feel like, um, I wouldn't be the only one who's <laughs> worried about that. I do but. also like, as an aside, I mean, yes, we think about food a lot. I think about food a lot and health and satiation and, the joys of it, but I also want to make sure it's not like a thing, right? Like I don't yes. want to create like a complex yes. about like you have to eat this and you can't eat this and this is. I so think about I'm that still learning that. For example, tonight I put butter on uh, Oliver's sweet potato, but not on Baby Owen's because I'm like it's gonna be messy. He doesn't need the butter, you know. Mm -hmm. And when Oliver said, "Well, why didn't Baby Owen get butter?" and I was like, "Oh, Baby Owen doesn't need butter because it's not super healthy." And Daniel was like, "Don't say that because now he mm -hmm. thinks." it's not healthy, right? It's yeah. not about, you know, so it was like, and Daniel always calls me out on this stuff, which is great. Yeah. I mean, I definitely grew up with my parents being like, oh, you know, like watch your weight and don't eat yep. this. And, you know, you shouldn't be eating ice cream. And I just want to make sure I don't project that on my kids, but of course I will, but yes. just trying to be more conscious of that too. Yes. Yes. Oh, I can relate to that so much. I feel like my food and disordered eating journey back in the day. I feel like I've done a lot of healing work around that, but definitely having a baby now to feed, I have to check myself. Don't project some unnecessary rules onto him. 
and create any restrictions because we are we're 90s babies it was low fat or sorry Mm -hmm. 80s babies and we were little in the 90s right so it's low fat low calorie diets so no wonder that was kind of instilled in us through our parents generation and so I I think about that a, a lot now it's almost like having a baby is kind of a mirror to be like okay don't project any lingering things that maybe you were raised with with food onto him no issues around food so I I totally hear that yeah. I mean, we'll, they'll still have their own trauma from us. Oh, yeah. Therapy for other exactly, things, but exactly. maybe that's something that I can be conscious of now, you know? Totally, totally. Okay. I want to know you now work part-time, right? Four days a week. Mm-hmm. Four days a week. Okay. So that's more than part-time men's technically. I want to know a, because I think, you know, obviously I think every working mom has their journey with balancing career and motherhood. And so I guess at a very basic level, I want to know, was switching or having that one day off a week, how did that maybe like change things for you? Was it positive? Did you not see a difference? How was it for you? So I just started recently working four days a week because both boys are in daycare. And previously I had three days of work and two days off, which was such a luxury, so amazing. But I wanted to work more. So I think, you know, I've always been very career motivated and needed to be a busybody. And, you know, it just, it was lovely to be at home with my baby, but it wasn't fulfilling for me. And I just, I think, especially with postpartum hormones, and I just like, couldn't take it. Like I had meltdowns a lot. Like I couldn't control a lot of the things, but I was like busy all the time, but did nothing. Right. Like, it's like your days are so long and, but like you get nothing done and so busy. And so, yeah, I was really excited to go back to work and I love my job and I talk to adults at my job. And so it's very stimulating and I physically am doing something with patients. And so I love it. It's like a full distraction all day. So it's sort of like my meditation. Yeah. Um, but it's hard because you do have to still do everything at home. And, you know, my supervisor, who's awesome, is like, you can't win. Moms can't win because you'll feel guilty when you're at work and you'll feel guilty yeah. when you're at home. And you're just going to feel like you're never enough. Right. And yeah, it's true. And you just have to make what works for your family. So I try to hustle and do all the things I can do on the days off for the kids and for the house. And then I try to just fully enjoy my day at work. Yeah. But it's nonstop and it's really busy and I'm tired, but I'm very lucky to be able to take even like a day off, you know? Yeah. And it's so, I mean, I think the amazing thing about all of that is that you've like chosen a career that you're so passionate about and is so fulfilling for you. So you want it's something that you want to do. You want to spend your day there. Like you said, is it's like a meditation. Okay. I forgot. Okay. So you went back to from three to four when Owen went to daycare. Is that right? Just recently, just in the last month. Um, okay. Both boys started a daycare in August. Okay. Same one um, or different? Different ones. Oh, okay. Got it. Yes. Cause I feel like that's a whole other chapter It'll be interesting because Maddox will turn two in November, but the school year, daycare year starts in August. So I'm like, that's interesting. Apparently you might have to pay to hold their spot, which will be anyways. I know. That is also a racket. School and childcare. Yeah. We had, um, before we started daycare, we had, we decided nanny would be better because it was also during COVID. I mean, we haven't even hit on like the stress of COVID on having a baby, but we basically had five nannies in eight months. <laughs> wow. Maybe and why months. so many? Well, it, it's just like we moved to Oakland and we yeah. needed childcare and it's hard. It's hard to find Very somebody hard. that really fits with your family and your groove. Daniel works from home and we have a dog and the baby is like a different demand than a toddler. So we had nannies that were great with a toddler, but like, not great with the baby or great with the baby, but then the toddler needed more stimulation. And then there's just turnover because it's just expensive to live in the Bay area. I mean, none of them were really like, you know, let go, but they just moved on to the next thing or had something come up. So it's just like constant trying to find childcare that, that works for you. And yeah, it is a lot. It's definitely, I'm learning it, you know, every day. I think, 
I think there's also this thing that's happened for me, which is having an Aeneas. It's such a privilege. And I'm so, so, so grateful that this is our situation. But there's also this kind of yearning inside of me where it's just like, I created this human. I should be responsible for it. At the same time, I can't be responsible for it during nine to five because I have to be responsible for, for providing for our family like monetarily. You know, it's just it's such an interesting, I think, experience for a mom to, you know, to figure out. And, um, yeah, childcare brings up a whole, whole lot of stuff. (laughs) Do you feel any differently with like, was there any, any like game changing when they went to daycare? Were you more comfortable, less comfortable, happy about it, not happy about it? So happy about it. Um, because they just need a little bit more. Like we had great nannies that were great for baby stage, but at three, you know, Oliver needs socialization. And especially because he was six months old when COVID started and lockdown started. And so we've had friend dates here and there, but we just, we were never really comfortable. Even now we're still more conservative if we're going, like we don't go to big gatherings, you know, um, until they just got vaccinated. But he needs more. Like he goes to school and he's so stimulated and he learns so much. And same with baby. I mean, baby's 15 months. And once he started walking and started understanding language a little bit, like now he's saying words, it's just Mm -hmm. developed so quickly. And I just don't think we had nannies that were able to, you know, accommodate both kids and be at their developmental level. I mean, they were great, but at some point, they need more than just being at the park all day. Sure. That know? makes so much sense to me why then people do nanny shares with babies the same age. So because mm-hmm. it's too hard when there's a gap. Mm-hmm. You're so right. Is baby Owen on one nap now? He's still on two. He's still on two naps. Okay. We'll see so he does morning and afternoon. <laughs> the How nap transitions. Oh my God, everyone. The nap going from three to two. <laughs> Poor Pat. It was when Pat was finishing his paternity leave and I was a wreck. (laughs) It was so stressful. I don't know why. I'm just like, who cares if he wakes up early? Just put him down earlier. But in my head, I was like, it's the end of the world. (laughs) I mean, those are your precious times. I think I had like a serious like sadness when Oliver stopped napping. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He still Uh naps at school, but he won't nap when he's home. And it's like, okay. Oh man, it's going to be brace yourself, you know? So what do you do? Just put him down earlier? I mean, he sleeps well at nighttime. So he's like a 7.30 to 7.30 sure. guy. But if we happen to be out on an excursion and we're driving home around the one to three o'clock time, then he will fall asleep in the car and we will let him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there might be times when we strategically go for excursions and then we're in the car between one and three with the music on a gentle hum. And, you know, we both bring like activities in case he falls asleep. So we can, I might, that might happen. (laughs) Oh my God, that's so good. Well, aren't they kind of on opposite napping schedules then? So, I mean, if you can get, so here's the thing, if you can get your kids to nap around the same time, then that's a huge win, right? Because otherwise... It's challenging, but yeah. baby Owen naps from 10 to 11, and then he naps from 1 to 3. And Got Oliver it. at school will nap from, like, I think 1.30 to 2.30 or something. Got so it. Okay, so that, that second like, afternoon window that if we can go to lunch somewhere and get them really tuckered out at the park, and then we happen to be in the car, and they happen to fall asleep because we turn up the music, then yeah. we let it happen. Yeah, totally. Oh, my God. So, I love it, man. It's great strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, final question for you, or final topic before I ask you our final three questions is I want to talk about your your job and your profession and how it relates to moms. Because I remember when I, being a hand therapist, I remember, I don't know if I texted you about the second thing, Mins, but I had really bad carpal tunnel when Maddox was, yeah, with that one, I let, yeah, and so I think it was around five, six weeks postpartum. My hands went completely numb at night. Mm -hmm. And then it lasted about six to eight weeks. And then it kind of gradually left. And then I got a new condition, which is called, I learned, mommy's wrist. Decravenes. (laughs) There we go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is that the technical term? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like this. Yeah. New mom stuff. Okay. So it's, it still hurts really, really bad. And my sister actually gave me a brace for it 
but it's like right on the bone Mm -hmm. in the joint and it's from all the excessive picking up and was really bad again I wore the brace Uh, I've since stopped because it's calmed down but I would love for you to tell me like what you see in your practice related to you know your profession and moms do you see a lot of that okay yes so I'm a hand therapist so I'm an OT and I treat people with hand injuries And that includes people that have had surgery and trauma and any kind of tendonitis. So carpal tunnel syndrome is very common. It's where your nerve gets compressed because of all this extra fluid retention that you get when you're pregnant. And Mm. especially at night when you're sleeping with your hand kind of like bent or curled up, you can wake up with tingling and numbness in your fingers. And for some people, it can be just at night. And for some people, it can be really bad during the day as well. So I see that a lot. Thankfully, it mostly goes away after you have the baby because your hormones kind of even out and the fluid gets kind of you know pulled yeah. out. And you wear a brace for that. Um, but certainly if you come to see me, I can give you other tips and tricks. But the other thing that's really common is decra veins, which is a, it's called, actually it's called tenosynovitis of the first dorsal compartment. <laughs> but so we technical. also call it I love it. And I would say like in my day-to-day, I mean, we see a lot of them, but probably like 80% of the people that come with that are new moms. And I can always tell because they look tired, but they're young and they're cute and they often have their babies with them or not. And they're like, oh, this has been hurting me since I had the baby. So yes, that's all about ergonomics. It's about how you lift your baby. I had it myself. So I kind of you do. Did. Mm-hmm. I mean, I totally remember maybe like two weeks after having Oliver, my first, and you know, you're just you're brand new at holding a seven pound weight essentially all the time and you're supporting their head and you're trying to figure out this breastfeeding thing with all these weird holds they tell you about like the football and then all the things and then the pillows you're jamming things and then you don't sleep well and all of that contributes to tendonitis in that part of your wrist so wearing a brace is great but moms can't really do that right like how do you change a diaper how do you hold your baby totally Yeah. So we try to give you different strategies. I'll try taping. I'll do softer splints and braces. I'll tell people Mm -hmm. to wear their brace just at night. Um, But a lot of it is like, how do you lift and carry your baby? So we actually have this like, you know, it's like a CPR baby doll. And I have moms practice lifting the baby out of the crib and picking up a baby and breastfeeding the baby. And we talk about the boppy. The boppy. I love the boppy. It's a Uh real thing and it does get better. But if it doesn't get better, with bracing and resting, then come talk to me. <laughs> okay. I, that's so helpful, Mins. And I, it's, it's a relief that, you know, again, you're not alone. <laughs> like I'm not alone. Any other moms out there are not alone in this mommy's new mom's thumb. You're never um, alone in anything mom related. So true. <laughs> Gosh, it's so true. Okay. Mine is significantly better, but it's when I hit this bone, whatever this bone is called, it like sometimes I'm like, eek, like I have like a yeah. crazy reaction. Like that's yeah. honestly what's most tender now. Like I would for a while, like I would have to have Pat pick up Maddox because it, like out of the bath or whatever. Now it's, it's, it's improved where it's like almost just like a dull pain unless I like hit it on something. I'm just assuming and so, if it flares and gets bad, I'll wear my brace at night. I'm just assuming it's going to get better as he gets older. I don't know. <laughs> It will. Um, so what you're feeling is the nerve is a little irritated and that's why it's giving you shocks and shooting pain. And so it's yes. probably still swollen in there. So we have this joke that like, well, when your baby starts walking and you don't have to pick him up anymore, then the tendonitis will go away. And that might be when they're one and that might be when they're 18. But at some point, <laughs> you'll get better. Totally. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your hand therapy wisdom with all of us. Okay, Mins, this has been so fun. And it's also just selfishly so wonderful to catch up with you and talk about all these things um, since I saw you last. (laughs) Okay, so we'll end on the three questions that I ask every mama on Mama to Mamas. Um, And we probably have like touched on a couple of these. So, but again, I'll just say the first thing that comes to mind. What is one thing that took you by surprise or you feel like no one ever talked to you about that you learned was part of being a mom? Um, this is something that everything, everybody talks about, but it did take me by surprise personally, Mm -hmm. which is like how much joy it is to see your little baby and your little child, like learn 
from the world, like what they mm. absorb from you and the people around you and the world. And like when they start talking, especially, but even when they're babies, like when they look at something and they smile and they react and you see them like understand what a dog is and yeah. how that's what a cat is. Aww. It's just so joyful. Like, I don't think you can describe it, you know? Yeah. Yes. Oh, such a good one. Okay. Your answer also made me think, and I don't mean to answer too, but no, I, wanted to. <laughs> I haven't thought about this till recently, but as you were talking, what came to me was like, when you're like watching how your baby, like, you know, sees the world, it made me think of one joy that I, that is taking me by surprise. That is a fun part of being a mom is watching your baby sleep on the monitor. It is. <laughs> so stinking cute my camera roll is literally photos of the monitor with Maddox in like like hilarious <laughs> positions and I'm like this is bringing me so much joy that <laughs> oh is so true it's kind of like um I feel like I can see when I look at this like black and white photo on my nest camera like yeah. Oliver's silhouette is the same as when he was like the ultrasound pictures I had of him. Yes. And I feel like it's the same thing where you can't really see what's going on with them, but you can tell they're just like their little cheeks. And yes. It's so sweet. It's so cute. Oh my gosh. Oh, I love it so much. Okay. Such a good positive answer to that one, Mins. Okay. Take yourself back to the early days of having Oliver. Like we've, we've talked a lot about this on this episode, but if you could give yourself, that first time mom version of you, one piece of advice, what would it be? Mm, it's tough because there's so many things and there. this might be only relevant to like certain people, but um, I think it's prioritizing your relationship with your partner. For me, because I think we both kind of were just so like head into taking care of baby and low on sleep and just didn't really have the bandwidth to even like spend time together, talk to each other, which is fully understandable. But like now that we're in this place where Daniel and I spend time together and make an effort, now we're like, wow, we were really missing this, like the first year of each of our babies. Yeah. You know? I feel like it took a year before we were really like, okay, now we're rested enough to like do something. And we should have really prioritized that earlier because you're really relying on each other. There's nobody else, you know, nobody understands what you're going through at that moment, you know, better than your partner. Yeah. Oh, that's such great advice, Mins. And I really feel that one. It's so easy to both your energy gets just poured into this little tiny human and kind of all you think about and all you talk about and especially with your first are they okay like um and prioritizing your partner is hard but I think um it is great advice to find ways to do that where you can yeah one thing that Daniel does that's so great and he's done this for so long even before every night before bed he says what's your favorite moment about Oliver today Aww. and now it's what's your favorite moment that Oliver did and, or baby Owen had. And it, it's like such a great positive perspective because like yeah. by the time you get the kids in bed and you've cleaned up yeah. the kitchen and you've prepared yourself for work the next day, maybe gotten a shower in, you're exhausted, right? And you just think about how tired you are and how hard having kids is and how hard being a mom is. And yeah. it just brings it all back to like, you know, it's all worth it. And it's, yeah. it's simple, right? Like there's always something positive. So that's something Daniel does really well. And it just helps me remember like, oh my gosh, he said the cutest thing today. I didn't even remember to tell you, or like, you yeah. know, he pulled up his pants by himself. You know, it's just yeah. like all these little things that you forget that are so amazing. It makes you not focus on the negative or the tantrum that happened that day and instead focus on something great that happened. Right. Which there are so many, but I think moms get really caught up in like what yep. we have to do, what we have to plan. And maybe dads are better and Daniel's yeah. certainly better at just like yeah. being in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It, okay. Rip, tell us what the question is. What is your, um, what's your favorite moment from or about Oliver today? Okay. Got it. Got or what's got your it. favorite okay. thing that happened with Oliver today or okay. something to that effect? Yeah. 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 Some the question like that. Okay. Spin it however you want, but that's yeah. really good advice. What was your favorite <laughs> Oliver moment? That's what he says. Okay. Love he says it. that okay. to my mom too, which is really sweet because she's like, Aww. everything, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, let me think about this. He's kind, of a, he's kind of a brat. <laughs> I love it. 
Oh, man. Okay. If you could sum up motherhood in one word or phrase, what would it be? This is hard because it's like so many things and all the feels. And like, I feel like being a mom really is like the gamut of all the human experience, right? Um, I think unconditional. Mm-hmm. Like the love between you and your child is like nothing else and so unconditional. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter who he is, what he is, what he decides to be, who he yeah. wants to be, what he did. Yes. It's unconditional. Oh, it's so good. And I feel like people use, of course, use that word with their partner, unconditional love, which is so, so true. I unconditionally love my partner. But you feel it on a different level, I think, with your child, because you are responsible for them being alive. Like you physically created them. So of course it's unconditional. Like they came from you. (laughs) Yes. And I like to think that it's both ways, you know? Yeah, totally. Oh, man. Oh, that just gave me a little chill. (laughs) Thank you so much for spending your evening with me. I truly just, just warms my heart and soul and you are the best and have so you had so much wisdom to share with all those mamas out there. So thank you, Mins. Oh, it, this was just the most fun. Thank you for having me. All right, you guys. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode of Mama to Mamas. Bye guys. Bye.